Daryl, Daryl Frankfort, welcome to the show. TK! Oh Happy to have my you. God, the world is on fire, TK. What the hell's going on here? Well, you know how it is. Every Another single week there's something Sunday? new. I mean, if there, were, there weren't things happening in the world, then, you know, Nothing we wouldn't have anything to talk about. That's right. Imagine, Nothing this podcast wouldn't exist if everything was just okay. I don't think we'd ever run out of stuff to talk about that. Right? But there's things going on out there right now. There's like got, a lot of got, stuff like, going dominoes on. Dominoes out there right now that are just like, dun, 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 dun. what's going to happen? Bigger and bigger. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I, we know. We don't know. I mean, we, we think we Jeez. know. I think I have an idea, but I mean, it's generally wrong. I pretty but, much uh, just like to find out about things after they happened. After they happen is a yeah, good way of doing Yeah, that's usually my things. shtick, you know? The it's whole predicting way thing is really, not, is really not something that I've been very good at, right? Is this What's guy, up, guys? Is this he's guy... in the lounge again. He's in the lounge. Yes, sir. The man, the myth, the legend. Look Jordan Scrinko. How are, are you we in, doing are on you this beautiful city? Saturday morning? Are you in this city of ours? Could be. Yeah, yeah, I'm at the one, which may or may not get built, but... May Ooh, or may not get drama. built. Ooh, oh, my God. Start yeah, it out actually, right, I never even thought about that. Start it out right. May not even get finished. Yeah, Why, why that, didn't George? I think tell, about that? That's like target number one <laughs> i hope it does you hope it gets built why my it's beautiful i love the building man i love the units i love those columns look at that column right there yeah it's pretty and cool did, did apple bail star trek the fleet. bench all the way around the yeah did yeah. apple bail on the uh the retail yeah i mean i believe they're trying to trying to i don't, bail. Know, I don't know if they successfully did but wow. regardless it seems like there's articles out there right so i'm not saying well anything. that means it's true that means but, it's true um yeah let's let, let's hope man let's hope it gets built what's what stage the are they beauty. at right now i mean they're like what are they how many floors above grade are they 10 they're, floors they're, they're getting up there yeah, yeah 20 floors i don't even know every time i they're go anywhere it. now because i go nowhere ever it's like holy shit that thing just came out of nowhere daryl tk something's been happening out there lately I've been seeing a lot of views. I'm seeing more views on this channel than we have subscribers. What does that mm. mean? It means people need to subscribe. I think. So, so it means people are watching the show and they're not subscribing? Yeah, like half. Makes no sense. I don't understand. Guys, what are you doing? like, comment, subscribe. Hit the damn bell. It's an hour. Like, just do it. Jesus. It's crazy. Yeah. But hold on a sec. Before we get into anything else guys state few homes like we got to start with this this is pre-construction at its finest okay? i thought we started with the one i thought that was pretty good the one's pretty good right. ben we're gonna get into that because that's like uh that's not as that's not a story in the news like we need to get people's attention at the beginning of the show tk this is like uh, okay. people actually watch this thing it's believe it or not and we so have nice. jordan here like this guy's we got all the answers is, today Famous as well, you can get. Let's let's see, Jordan. Like the State View Homes thing. I mean, is this something that uh, you know you think is going to be widespread? You think this is just something that's unique to this one particular developer? What do you different? think? Uh, it seems to happen every few years, like clockwork. A smaller but rapidly expanding developer seems to get into hot water by overextending themselves, over leveraging themselves, assuming mm -hmm. the bull market will continue. And yeah, we can paste over the problems and you know, the, the unethical things we've done by just selling a hundred more homes. Right. Um, it seems to happen like clockwork. I mean, I don't know, like, you know, like it, it, it just, to me, this is something that happens pretty frequently. It happens, you know, you see it happen every few years. Um, you know, this is no different. Obviously they're denying everything, um, as their PR department should probably. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, we got it, rid of that guy. it's hard to notice like an extra 37 mil. I mean, you don't just, you know, look at your bank statement and notice that kind of thing. No, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy to to miss that. It's hard. It's, hard and it's to just see. a coincidence that we're not doing so well and making payments and all these other things that are happening. But, you know, that guy's problems are totally isolated. You know, otherwise mm -hmm. everything's fine and everything's going to get built. Right? Well, mm -hmm. I know someone personally, actually, that was also part of some kind of a scam scam through TD that was an inside job that's like currently in litigation mm -hmm. so like I think TD's got a couple of holes in it target on the back yeah Jesus Christ they're getting shorted like like yeah. more than anyone on earth there was what a client who um, came to me years back and when I googled their name 
they were into like you know it was like mob related like they named some of like the 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 you know the family in the news article and like oh he was like check kiting and things and yeah like it's um that's the, i think that's the those are the, the real scammers those guys they're the big leagues 37 mm-hmm. yeah i remember i had a client come to me for a pre-construction penthouse once and just out of curiosity i googled his name because he he wasn't um well he was a canadian but he wasn't he, adding up right yeah didn't live here and uh sure, sure enough he was getting sued by a third world country for 800 and something million dollars in embezzlement perfect perfect. Funds. perfect that guy get that guy in immigration sold him right yeah, now right. <laughs> right. that right. guy's a canadian hey, for sure so i'll give you i'll give you my state view home story okay i promised daryl i would so Jordan, you can appreciate this because pre-construction is not my thing. It's not our team's thing. We don't have a pre-construction department. There's nobody on our team who says anything about pre-construction and, to, and advertising in any way whatsoever. But State View Homes approached us in December, right before the Christmas holidays, to say we wanted to, us to sell a project for them. Mm-hmm. And so initially it was like, okay, what the heck are you talking to us for? And uh, that's what I asked you. (laughs) Right. And afterwards, I realized that, you know, this was maybe just a little bit of desperation. They wanted to access to our marketing and stuff like that. I saw them marketing outside in other places a lot. So I could tell like they were really trying to push this. But it was like five year away freehold towns. Is that normal? Mm -hmm. Has that ever happened? Uh, I don't really sell freehold. Historically speaking, freehold doesn't make sense. No, no, but what they these guys were. Should be reserving no weren't they they weren't even selling they were like doing a reservation process yeah, yeah, which the, is the, not the same what's the whatever story? it was like years it, away yeah. and, and reservation just... in lieu of aps because we don't have the aps ready which is actually we don't have the approvals and therefore yeah, yeah. do you see uh-huh. that in high rise some not high rise but in some boutique buildings with small developers in oakville and barry we've seen it yeah for sure um really? which i try to stay away from anything like that like when I've i go on heard of that, you know, like, so, like we had this developer in barry and when you go to their website they have like their entire portfolio is two relatively small like thirty thousand square foot warehouses they have logistics warehouses they have under management so i told my clients i'm like this is you know the odds of success of this project are very low so mm-hmm. perhaps we should have focused our attention elsewhere but yeah it happens you do see it from time to time so so let's help people with that then so timelines are important. So if you're buying into a project, you obviously are going to research this for your clients to say, okay, they're telling you that this is going to be done in five years, 10 years, whatever. You have to figure out if that's a realistic timeline, if they have approvals, if they have zoning, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And so in this particular project, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have been advising anybody to buy into a freehold that was just reserving spaces in a development that may or may not even happen. That seems like it's a... Yeah, that's a fair... Fair okay. statement. We <laughs> might have been willing to do it. But I don't who know. The okay. hell Again, we're the... not the pre-construction guys. But, but either we... either way, it wasn't it wasn't working out with the, the terms that I guess we would be willing to do and what they were willing to do was not going to work out. But what? man, am I glad that didn't happen. What end user though is like, this is great. Like I'm gonna give you my money and it's like not even tied to anything. This is perfect. Yeah. Where can I, I know sign investors up? love it, right? The longer the timeline, the better for most investors, obviously. Mm-hmm. As long as it gets built, that being being the key phrase, right? What's the longest timeline in the city of Toronto, like right now that people are pitching? Like, is it twenty twenty eight now? Like, what twenty thirty? Yeah, twenty eight. But but I mean, like, look, you can look at some buildings that are that have like marketed occupancy dates and look at what they're actually building and go, okay, can, like it's probably going to be late. Um, and so some investors actually like that. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. have the thing is with Terion, like you can, you you can move your occupancy date into the future without offering people a way out of their contract but you cannot move it backwards right Mm. so nobody wants to advertise 26 and deliver late 25 because they've just given every purchaser a way out of the contract Mm. but if you advertise 26 and you deliver in 28 it's all gravy no there's no worries right so so few uh, old ladies maybe moving from a big house who have to wait a little bit longer for their penthouse with the the south uh, exposure yeah for the most part the investors are happy yeah, exactly. So yeah. hold on a sec. What happens with mortgages in between the uh, interim closing and the actual closing? Well, there actually, is no, there is no mortgage. No, but like you don't lock in a rate at the interim closing, right? Like you you're could, rate, can you? If you wanted to, you could go to RBC. I mean, we have people who went to RBC and got uh, two and a half year rate holds um, wow. for project completion because they were buying towards the tail end of the sales, and they said, "I might as well lock in the rate." Geniuses. Um, 
two and yeah. a half. Some of them, right? Some locking. of them probably, if they did that, the timing was right on the right project, that could have been a huge savings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. RBC is kicking themselves. But again, the project has to close on time. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing, because you can sit in interim occupancy for a year, um, mm. which is brutal. Like I, like I have, there's, there's, there's been a few projects that like sat in interim occupancy for over a year. And so like a year ago, you take occupancy, you're looking at your interest rates. You're like, this isn't too bad. And then as you progress through your interim occupancy, you're just seeing rate hype. Rate that's hype, what I'm rate saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I'm saying. It's like, what the hell's yeah. going on? So hold on. But, Let's back up a bit. Explain for people, because I don't think a lot of people know even what an interim closing is. I don't even think most purchasers that maybe have contracts now even know what an interim closing is going to be. Mm -hmm. So can you explain that to people in an easy yeah, way? Yeah, sure. So there's no title on the property, right? And and this only exists in Ontario. Um, there's no title on the property, um, but the building's ready to move into. Maybe the only thing incomplete are your amenities. So you're going to have to pay the builder because you got to remember the builder's still paying their construction finance. They're paying all their debt off, right? So you, you have to pay the builder the interest-only payment on the 80, assuming you have 20% down on whatever balance is yet to be paid to the builder, because they don't get the money from your bank, obviously, until there is a title on final closing. So take the keys to your unit, you get to live in the unit, but you're paying what people will refer to as rent to the builder, which is just your interest only payment on the 80% balance based on the Bank of Canada overnight, your your projected maintenance fees and your estimated property taxes. Right? Nice. Now, Jordan, just an example for you. So somebody right now who wants to sell and they uh, are they have a closing coming up, interim occupancies next month, but we don't expect them to actually have to take title for you know, a year after or less. Would you suggest that they would take occupancy um, and assign it during that time? Or would you accept, or like depending on their situation, would you say, look, it might be better for you to close and to be able to transfer title afterwards? Like what would Depends you think on the unit type. Um, and obviously their personal finances, like there's no one size fits all, but generally right. speaking, the assignment market is as cutthroat as I've ever seen it. Like there's an abundance yeah. of people looking to get out of these contracts. And so, and people have to remember, like people get really frustrated when they're selling via assignment, particularly if they didn't buy with me because this was never explained to them. They think that, you know, there's a building launching across the street at 1700 bucks a square foot. Why the hell won't my assignment sell at 1300 a foot? There's no mm -hmm. bids at 1300 foot. How does that make any sense? What they don't realize is just like when you went to buy that pre-construction condo five years ago, you weren't entertaining the idea of assignments because you didn't have 20, 30, 40% cash ready, ready to put down. It's the same thing today. Nobody looking at that building across the street, launching at 1700 and considering buying a unit is even interested in your assignment. They're two completely separate buying pools. And the buying pool right. of assignments is you really have two. 90% of assignment buyers are investors looking to fleece somebody. And mm -hmm. right now there is an abundance of people who are willing to be fleeced to get out of their units. And the other 10% is somebody looking, an end user looking for something very specific. I want a 1500 okay. square foot unit with a terrace overlooking the future Green Line Park. I want a 2000 square foot Lakeview unit, right? Which most investors didn't buy. So those assignments are rarely, if ever available because they've been purchased by end users anyways. Right. But really what it comes down to is you're selling to an investor who has a lot of capital put aside, knows what an assignment is and is specifically looking to get a disgustingly good deal, right? right. Like that's that's what an assignment buyer is. Yeah. Um, and they they have their pick of the litter right now, right? Like is is so. A lot so of even if you can put it on the MLS during the occupancy period and have showings and all that stuff to market to the end users and stuff like that, yeah, that's maybe another scenario that you think could work. That 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 helps for sure. Yeah, because yeah, I see the, those on the, the MLS. I don't. I've never done one, but I see them assignment yeah, the, sale. But you can show it. Right. Yeah, the agent on the other end, like the buying agent, just needs to understand assignments and understand the differences because I find what happens during those occupancy periods on the rare instances when you can list on MLS, like a lot of agents will call me and be like, like, I don't know how to do an assignment deal. Like, what does this look like? How much cash do I have to? And it's just like, it's a mess because a lot of agents <laughs> just don't know what an assignment is or what's required uh, to complete an assignment deal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it can be, it can also be super frustrating. So There's how much, too, how much, like, is there anybody tracking or any way to know, like how much inventory is there in the assignment market now? There's like, no I know, way to know. it's a hundred percent. Every no, unit but, ever bought is up for assignment right now. But it must right? be That's crazy. Adult, it must be like close to the inventory of like uh Toronto 
resale market. No, no? it's not. It must be not. No, the WhatsApp group. So that make because they repost why because it's and... like they come in waves as the buildings yeah. are getting closer to yeah. Completion. So it's like it used to be like a you know like a four hundred unit building is closing like maybe like eight units, twelve units make it to the assignment market. Now it's like a four hundred unit building is closing like forty units at the assignment market. Ten percent. That's not that bad. That's not bad. No, but it's not getting absorbed. How many get absorbed? Right. That's right, the right. problem. It's not so what they're looking closing for right now. Like those those ones that you know of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, or in the last whatever year, what are they doing to close? Like, what are the extremes that people have to go to in order to be able to close those units? Because now, obviously, their rates are different. Qualifying is different. Uh, beg, borrow, and steal. I mean, a lot of the people looking to sell their assignments, at least with us, like have been people who can close if push comes to shove. So they're like, hey, list my unit at original purchase plus 10%. That way I'm not eating a loss. And if we get it, we get it. And if we don't, we close, right? Like that's the bulk is it's just people who are like looking at the looking at the market. They're like, I don't really want to rent this thing out for negative cash flow. I don't know what the next three years holds for the property market. I'd like to just get out of this hole, get my deposits back, pay my commissions, pay my legal fees, and still make ten grand or whatever. Just like walk away from this thing. Mm. Um, but like, is, that, those, is that the formula plus purchase price purchase price plus ten percent roughly? roughly? I mean, it depends Maybe. on the building. It could be yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's um it. Those most of those people in my experience are just closing. Um, just closing, yeah. So, like, that's crazy, right? So, so they don't want to take a loss, like, like the investors in the assignment market. But how are they getting want approved? Like, are they going to make approved? 10 grand on this? I don't think so. I want yeah. you to cover XYZ, yeah. Like, it's but, 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 like, I don't, I, how are some of these people getting approved? Well, they're not end users, they're investors, right? They're and all so investors. Five years ago, they bought a four hundred thousand dollar one bedroom, right. Right. So, yeah, rates have gone up a lot and the ratios are different than they were. But like if you were stretched to the limit already, like why were you buying a four? Like, you know what I mean? Most people weren't. Right. Most people whose like time. primary takes up their whole ratio. They've got like no no ability to service any more debt. Like they're not buying or they shouldn't be buying one bedroom pre-construction condos for investment to close on. So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in borrowing costs being up, like for, for most people, like it does, like I've had, believe me, I've had some situations where I've, some people just because of be, me being in the media and my YouTube channel and stuff, like some people have approached me and like, like, Hey, I'm closing on three condos, like $2 million in commitments. And here's my income. And here, yeah. like, what do I do? And I'm like, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> you're fucked. Yeah. Like, I'll, you I'll give you I'll give you the scenario of the week. And obviously I don't get these often, but these are, these are the real stories that are out there right now is somebody bought a property, right? I won't give too many details here. That was way more than they could ever afford. And their solution to being able to afford this was to buy three more smaller ones so that they could flip those in the meantime, once they were ready to close to and make enough money that... to be able to qualify for the big one that they Genius. really wanted to get into. <laughs> Who needs Dave Ramsey? This is genius. This is Get the this Canadian the playbook right yeah. here. This is oh like right from the playbook. Guys, this is what we're dealing right now. It's like, all right, little Johnny needs a new, a new bike. Refinance the house. Oh, last week I was sick. I couldn't work. Refinance the house. Like this is the economy we're in. It's so scary what could be coming down the pipeline for some of these people, right? It's, uh, it's insane. Well, I think, and I think that like just the, like the pre-construction condo investing phase caught a lot of people who shouldn't really have been pre-construction condo investors. So, but like is it going to change? Not in a position to ever have done that. Um, but everybody around them, they felt like was doing it. So they went ahead and bought a one bedroom or whatever. Right. And a lot of them just like, didn't really have any business doing that. Is um, it, it going to change? Does it need to change? Or do those people need just need to be like pumped out of the system? I think they need to be washed out, but also I don't think it's going to change. Um, right. Like sentiment, you know, there's been a couple launches in the past few weeks and sales centers are packed again. And as somebody who sells these things, even I'm sitting there scratching my head, like what's everybody, going on? Yeah. I had <laughs> lunch with uh, Ryan and Adam yesterday and everybody's like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. They get, so they get, so a bunch of us who make our living on selling these pre-construction condos are looking around like, is everybody okay? Yeah, like what are they thinking? <laughs> you sure you What's want everybody? you want to buy one? You you sent All me right. back your worksheet in like five minutes. What's going on? Yeah, I'll take yeah. your money. So but explain like, I'm that. Sorry, you. there's there's been a few launches. So mm -hmm. when you say they're they're busy, so they're selling, they're 
like oversubscribing. Oversubscribing. Okay, so it's like no issues whatsoever. Everybody's lining up again to be able to make it work. And yes, the and prices. No, like it's very area and price point, and particularly entry price point dependent. Why? What didn't okay. do good lately? Anything launching downtown is not doing well. Not doing well. Oh, so what launched downtown that didn't do well? I'm not going to say names, but okay. Okay. there's been a few core launches really? and people just aren't interested. But like you launch something in the, in the last... 905s around that thousand a foot mark and really? that's what it have is. a lineup. Because don't you have to launch at like 2,000 a square foot now? Isn't that like... Where's a thousand like, a square foot? At? What's a thousand a square foot? Who's doing that? Um, right now? You've got Mattamy in Oakville doing that. Oh, 1100 a foot fair. parking included you have uh north shore and aldershot at 1100 a foot you've got something coming that's in the and... burlington thing yeah i did a calculation i came up with like 1300 a foot yeah no there, there were units under 11 and then under you have 11. and then you have um you have one coming in hamilton from slate that's really aggressively priced as well that i'm sure will blow out really um hamilton yeah but that's where you got to go you want a thousand that's foot where that's where go? you got to go is that, is that right though like downtown hammer. obviously the price per square foot because it's very futuristic because like you're looking at way longer time frame i'm sure to build and so everyone's yeah. projecting of course a certain amount of appreciation so well, it's also probably... it's also like covid really screwed up price premiums in rents right so like oh you know i'm i'm seeing some one in one bedrooms in around 600 high 500 square foot range lease in a newly completed building in downtown Hamilton at 2,200 a month. So, so I can lease a 600 square foot, one bedroom in Humber Bay, Etobicoke for 2,400, or I can do it in Hamilton for 2,200. So I'm only saving 200 bucks a month, but if I want to buy the same unit on the pre-construction market, I'm going to pay $250,000 more mm. in Humber Bay. So a lot of investors are just looking at that going, well, okay, so I'm saving 250K, which is what? $1,200 a month in debt service. But my Giving rent is only $200 $2. lower. So I'm $1,000 net better investing in Hamilton. Mm. Um, are maintenance fees the same in Hamilton as they are in Toronto? Pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes Probably sense. Tax it should higher, be. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's the the long and short of it is it makes Thousands. sense for investors to be buying. So those sales centers that are people lining up for right now, it's a good investment compared to what other options they've got. Right. Yeah. If That's they're, what it is. yeah, if they're seeking a better monthly. Um, I, I mean, there's no cash flow, So if they're seeking a, a better, less risk outlook. Less risk. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes risk. sense. Yeah. Especially if you believe that rent premium is gone for good. Right. If you believe that, you know, fast forward 10 years and the picture's relatively similar, Mm -hmm. then yeah, Hamilton makes a whole lot of sense. These are the things I've been thinking about lately is we've had so much inflation. And again, not an inflation expert, but like, I don't think it goes back down. <laughs> I think wherever we're at right now, it's just like, this is what it is. And we need to all be just getting used to the new price and cost of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Including housing, rent, all those things, right? And so- Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think but life got more expensive permanently. I think people wishing for something else, it's optimistic thinking. How's yeah. it going to, it's going to get worse. Like, like the only way to, uh, to, to keep plugging trillion dollar holes is with trillions of dollars, right? Like you can't do it with millions now. So the, any, any fight like monetary response answer is like in the hundreds of billions at a minimum, right? Mm -hmm. I think like, aren't we talking trillions nowadays all over the place? So, so like, how does it, it, how do costs come down in that environment? I, I just don't, don't see it. Nobody's going to just start selling their stuff cheaper. No company is going to be like, okay, fine. Now the numbers will start getting instead of six ninety nine that we were charging you before. It's not going to happen. Life right. is more expensive. Yeah. The dollar's yeah. worth less. We feel good today. We're going to charge you like 2008 prices today because yeah. we're nice. We don't like profits anymore. Like, let's get real. So, okay, so hold on. So nothing changes. Everything stays the same, but it's not. Like, everything's getting crazier, right? Like, what? how is it possible that in this environment, people are lining up to buy the most expensive product and the biggest decision in their life right now without even thinking about it, really? Like, you can't line up for two hours waiting for this thing and not have time to reflect on if it's a good idea. Speculation what? is baked into Canadians' blood at this point. Hmm. 
Like you're right. born like a blaming it on blaming it on realtors and the email blast that they sent. Ah. That was ridiculous because we were doing the same thing six months ago and nobody was calling us. Right. So mm -hmm. sentiment is an animal that cannot be controlled for. And in Toronto and in hmm. the GTA specifically, it is a fickle beast. It is very forward looking. You don't need rate cuts to get it all stimmed up. It's like the cocaine bear, man. All you need is rates not to go up. Right. Like and the minute like they the even light. Yeah, as soon as they said we're like gonna maybe pause, everybody was like the the doors were breaking down already, right? Like mm -hmm. people were I said it so many times. I felt like people were just waiting for somebody to say, like, okay, okay, you're good go, to go. Go, mm -hmm. go. Right. And, and where like, will rates be when those are built? Right. So everyone right now, based on what I'm hearing and seeing, is that nobody feels like rates are gonna go up much further and everyone feels like rates will have to go back down in the future. Mm -hmm. So when those places are built. Maybe they'll be getting a two or three percent interest rate again. Yeah, and it's also how... interesting, like, you know, the CIBC report that was recently out that showed excess cash is still growing. Right. How does that make this. sense? I've been saying this how? for over a year and people have been calling me a shill. And I'm like, no, man, my top 50 percent clients like finance, finances right. wise, is they're doing better than they they've ever better. done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yep. I don't know what to tell you. But like what I'm seeing is like I'm getting tons of calls from people who are like, I have a shitload of cash on the sidelines. Tell me when and where. Find mm -hmm. me an assignment, a couple assignments that I can fleece somebody on. Like, find me somewhere to park this capital. Yeah. I, yeah. And and uh, and now you have the CIBC data backing that anecdote up. And I'm like, yeah, like this is this makes sense to me. Um, and of course, no one's going to be like rushing to deploy that capital while rate hikes are still happening. But again, like the GTA is such a lever market. There's so much debt on every purchase that, you know, it is a very sophisticated market. Real estate is a primary topic of conversation for everybody from all walks of life. Everywhere. And so when rates stop going up, you're, the market is already thinking ahead, right? We, we saw that when rates first started hiking, like the GTA took the biggest bath first because it's forward looking and people price in their expectations very quickly. Whereas in these other smaller, mm -hmm. more affordable markets, you don't see that type of forward thinking. Hmm. Makes sense. And that's, and that's exactly what it is, is the news travels fast. You're sitting at dinner talking to somebody and everyone's like, yeah, rates aren't rates are done. That's it. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's just like this, you know, spiraling out of control sentiment because when mm -hmm. things were going the other way, we know what those conversations were like, don't buy, don't buy. Things aren't good. Everybody's going to be struggling, but the banks mm -hmm. came in and have bailed everybody out right now. I mean, the banks are holding mortgages, amortizations and reverse uh, negative yeah. amortizations. Like it's going out of style. They are going to pump this market until it's back to where they want it to be. And then they'll give everybody an exit strategy if they need to get out or not. You know, sure feels like it. Yeah, it sure yeah. feels like taking on ridiculous risks to a degree has been rewarded in this country repeatedly, especially through COVID in the last few years. And um, um with the exception of people who went a little too far, which I've seen a few of in the assignment space. But December I, I don't I don't March think... 2020, December 2021 to March 2022. Those are the mistakes, but everybody else is going to be just fine. Yeah, but hold on a sec. Wait, because okay, so that's one segment of people, right? Those are the end users that are in trouble because they did that. But there's gotta be another wave. There's gotta be multiple um like you were saying, how did you uh, how did you describe them? Like smaller, fast growing, um, balls to the wall developers, younger guys that took on a lot of projects in good times, and mm -hmm. like some of those have to come crashing down. I think because 100%. I don't know. Like I've I've got a list of guys that I've just been going like, how the fuck do these guys do this? And where the fuck are they getting all this money from? And how are they putting so many deals together? And like, not even in Toronto, like all across the states and all over the place. Like there's some guys that are like huge all of a sudden. And like, not in like 10 years, like in like six years. And I got to think that like some of those guys are going to go. And then, so what happens when that happens to all those end users, right? And even in the state view homes thing, like, what happens to all the purchasers or people that are reservationists or whatever that you call them, right? Like what happens to all these people and their money? Because this is not like a Terry on thing, is it? Terry on covers up to a hundred thousand dollars or 10%. Even for fraud, bank fraud. I don't know. 
So that's where things know. get interesting. But this also is... just like if you if you bought a two hundred thousand dollar freehold with twenty percent down, a hundred grand being covered isn't exactly a breath of fresh air to you. Well, I mean, better than nothing. But yeah, it's certainly I mean... better than nothing. But but I mean, and then that's one of the that's one of the nice things about condos. Like, hey, they take so long to build, so the likelihood of you closing negative equity are is much lower than freehold, right? Mm -hmm. When you're taking five six years to build, and B, I can't sell. Until I have, I can't collect your deposits until I have excess condominium deposit insurance. I don't have an option as a developer, so your your entire deposit amount is insured. Well, that um, causes all other kinds of problems, right? But, but uh, yeah, from a consumer standpoint, at least that that at least that's there for you. Um, where yeah, there's never been a time, I guess, if you think about that, that there's never been a condo launch where the people paid more money at the time of launch. Than it was worth at the time of closing not a launch but there's been instances where like i've seen it in the past year where somebody bought at the like the lingering inventory at the very tail end oh, so they God. bought like a year mm -hmm. before closing and yeah. they some of those people there was a project in liberty village some of those people yeah they they had appraisal gaps because they paid the pre-construction right. premium but they were closing in a year okay that makes sense yeah but at the launch stage which is why i guess the whole you know, dealing with somebody who's got the inside track is the benefit because you are getting in at the earliest point, which means that, you know, it's the least amount of risk by the time it's all said and done. You have the best chance of, of being in a, in a positive yeah, equity all, position. Yeah. If all the other fundamentals align, right. Yeah. The price is right. The developer is right. And you're getting it five years. Yeah. Then yeah. hundred yeah. percent. But the timeline of it. Right. So yeah, these freehold, the, the example that I gave you about the buy three to buy another, that, that was freehold, right. Right. So they were all expecting to do this in a year. That's and, crazy, and it, man. And it's and it's burned, right? And but those were on pre-construction freehold. Pre-construction freehold. Oh, yeah. for small God's builders, big builders, sakes. everything. And there's like, another there's another couple people too in, in similar scenarios, but like, yeah, just no real thought process on how am I gonna close this? Like that was never a question that was asked. Mm -hmm. It was just I'm gonna be able to sell this before I, I need paid. to worry about that. But that's yeah, what that's the, the trusted uh 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 they blame the realtors. They blame the realtors. But at the end of the day, I've seen people make mistakes where they blame the realtor and I nod and smile and I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to, people have to take responsibility. You know, you can't just always say that my agent is an idiot and that he didn't tell me. Obviously that's their job. Well, it's also, but, it's great. It's, it's, it's real. That is an interesting debate to me. Like a hundred percent. There's a lot of pre-construction agents, both freehold and condos that say real estate only goes up. If you don't buy now, you're just losing money every month. You don't buy blah, 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 blah. Sure, whatever, right? But mm -hmm. if you as a consumer take that advice and and like I don't know how else to put it, but you're an idiot. Right. Like there has to be some critical thinking. Caveat emptor here. Like there there <laughs> has to be some like you're responsible for the financial decisions you make. You can't you can't just say, well, the realtor said that condo prices will for sure be more in 2025 than 2020. It's like sure. Of yeah. course he did, because he's a fucking condo realtor. That's right. How well would he do as a salesperson if he was out there telling people could be higher, could be lower? We don't really know. Uh, buy with me. I clearly <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like right? it's like it, it's remarkable, yeah. man. It's like yeah. it's like you know when I when I schedule a call with a software salesperson at HubSpot trying to tell me a trying to sell me a forty thousand dollar a year CRM, I don't expect him to to go through the qualification criteria with me and then tell me, you know what, actually, I think Salesforce is a better fit for you. Yeah. You may want to like, wait till this is on sale. The guy sells, the guy sells HubSpot. He's going to sell me HubSpot. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just remarkable when people use that excuse to me. Yeah. It's different if there was fundamentally, if, if fundamentally they were lying to you, right. But Not just giving you opinion, like fundamentally, they, they lied about the transaction. They lied about where your deposits were held. They lied about the developer's history. Then that's a different story entirely. But, but, but pre-construction sales is marketing. It's, it's, it's a marketing, it's a whole marketing thing. Obviously sales are part of marketing, but I mean, it's, is it different than um, like a Coca-Cola commercial where, you know, they highlight the benefits of things and they, completely ignore the fact that it will kill you if you drink it long enough or 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 a McDonald's commercial where like the burger just like 
I've never seen a burger at McDonald's that looks like it does in the commercial. And, and I'm just saying it's like this this perception has been built not by individual realtors. And I mean, look, developers are part of it. It's a whole big stew, right? It's a big it's fucking collective, collective yeah. that has fucked this thing up so bad that mm -hmm. like, how do you fix it now? Well, they were so the, the thing is like you start to recognize trends as a developer. You're like, wow, this people really like this master plan community idea, right? They really like buying in a phase one of a master plan community because they know the subsequent phases will be more expensive and they think on paper they've made money. Therefore, well, we've got a standalone building here. Let's just advertise it as a master planned neighborhood. And so just the definition of things just stretches with marketing, mm -hmm. right? Because everything's luxury. Everything's yeah, look at Thornhill popular. Woods. Thornhill Woods technically was not in Thornhill. And right. then just north of it, you have Thornhill like estates or something. Mm -hmm. And it was all just to kind of build on the idea of Thornhill. Thornhill was a nice place to live. Had no more land like, left. You could get yeah. more money in Thornhill. But it was yeah. a marketing ploy because it's yeah. not Thornhill. It's like Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? no, I mean, I, I mean, that's just the way that marketing happens. But that's that stretch. I'm, I'm like, when you yeah. say that, but that's what happens is everybody stretches it, and now it becomes like Parkdale well, North, right? Like, it's I remember like, a project back in 2016 or 17 in Oakville was marketed consistently by every broker and by the developer themselves as steps to the lake. Right. One <laughs> one point eight step on the bus, and then you, yeah. you get one, to the lake. It's a few thousand steps. Yeah. A couple thousand steps. You might right? make it. The, yeah. the, the protection of the government brought this in. I don't know how long ago they brought this in, but you have the 10-day rescission period. You have mm -hmm. a reason for that. Obviously, people bring things to their lawyer. People, you know, get things so, checked out. It's important for people to understand what it is that they're what they're what they're signing and all that kind of stuff. But who whoever shops it around to, you know, their friends or, you know, another realtor or somebody else, some, like you have an opportunity to be able to say, is this a good investment or not, right? And I think mm -hmm. that that's where the consumer has to understand is like, it wasn't a really sharp tongued salesperson who sold you that unit where you sign on the dot and now you can't get out. They gave you 10 days. There's a reason it's 10 days. You've completely, all the emotional tension that you've built up from that one day at that sales center has an opportunity to leave. And you get to think clearly about if this is a good decision or not. And you chose to continue with the transaction at that point. Yeah, but you're focused on all those people that were behind you in line. Right, and you're like, you, you have a chance. Though, I have to, to go to, ahead. To dial I'm gonna it make down. a fortune here. Those people are make there a anymore. fortune selling a piece Reed. of paper. I'm a genius. Well, it's also right? you know what's funny. It's also it's also it doesn't it never works the flip way, right? Someone makes two hundred thousand dollar on a one bedroom that they almost didn't buy because they were terrified by their friends and family, but that sharp tongued realtor made sure they stayed true to that purchase, convinced them routinely during the ten day cooling period, made them you know comfortable speaking to a lawyer, went through the. You know, closing costs explained why these closing costs are okay and kept them on track to close with that property, made $200,000. Well, five years later, they're never going, thank God that realtor was a good salesman who knew how to coax me through those emotional ups and downs during the 10 days. But of course, if they yeah, lose $200,000, that realtor's a real piece of shit, huh? Yeah. Like, okay. So it's it's really funny the way it works. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. But this so, is the but, business. What, but so, so just a suggestion. And I think I've said it before, like, why don't we make it mandatory that during that 10 day period, you have to come back with a sign off from a lawyer, like mandatory, and maybe even better than a lawyer, some kind of financial advisor that no, like, because financial advisors have a vested interest in selling you a different product that they take commission on. Well, but this is it's like a like not. There needs to be somebody that goes, you know what, like I've checked the, the finances and I've checked yeah. like, no, but really like somebody that can like double check that you're actually capable because capable. That's a big, well, I agree with that. That's right? why I tell people to, to get their mortgage pre-approval in the 10 day period, because it will give you a lot of comfort that this is something you're actually capable of taking on. Capable because people, but the think... builders are asking for that anyways, though, aren't they? Yeah, sure. Okay, so <laughs> you know, so yes. again, those are all the those are all the things. Nobody that pushes those... you to. I'll tell you what, the developer does not push you to get it done in the ten days. Mm. In fact, but... they would love for you to start the process on day eleven. Makes sense. Then, then help you figure it out after yeah. you've already committed to it. Yeah. Of course, Eventually, that's not though, everybody. Like do, there are do some builders... developers who 
there are some developers who their inside sales rep are trained specifically not to let somebody sign on their first visit to a sales center to ask them to go home, think about it, come back tomorrow if they if they really want to sign for it. That's rare. There's mm-hmm. only one team I'm thinking about when I say that. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, yeah. That's cool. Um, and what about the letter that the builder wants to see closer to occupancy or closing? They want to know, can you still get this mortgage? Is that something that's... No, you Common? just get the no, no. You just get the mortgage pre-approval. You know, thirty, sixty, ninety days from the time that you bought the unit, and that's good. Unit's yours. Okay. Um, so the builder even checking if you, on you don't get the mortgage pre-approval, like the builder has the ability to refund your deposits and take your unit back. But it depends on the situation, right? Like they have a certain commitment of to their lender of how many units need to be pre-qualified for a mortgage. So if you, you know, if you're one of the 15% that don't bother to get a mortgage pre-approval, they probably won't hassle you for one. Why? There's a, there's a percentage of people that don't need a pre-approval? Depends on the builder and their lender, right? Now, now, fall through the cracks. Is it possible that those pre-approvals are not totally legit? Like in, who the hell is giving a pre-approval for a project that won't close for six years? We at the Canadian years? Real Estate Show will provide you with a letter of intent that That's says right. you will have financing so, on in 2030 <laughs> from somebody. Okay? For a small fee. Just fill out this form on the website in the details. So a lot of builders will um, will have a couple of in-house uh, mortgage brokers, which aren't actually in-house, but they'll have, you know, a contact, they'll give you a contact list. Here's someone at BMO, here's someone at TD, here's someone at RBC, here's someone like, so that you can go to your own bank, someone who's familiar with the project, the closing date, the developer, et cetera, so that it's easier than just going to your mortgage broker. Who's like, I don't really want to do a mortgage pre-approval for something that is not, I'm not getting paid for, right? It's not, you don't need a mortgage for six years. And what are the likelihood, what's the likelihood that you use me for the mortgage in six years? Um, so they get a, a list of vetted people from each from each bank or whatever, and that's usually where the clients go. And then, of course, you have your clients who, you know, maybe 5% of buyers or maybe 10% that call me in the 10 days and they're like, hey, Jordan, can you handle this for me? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? I can <laughs> I can send you my favorite mortgage brokers. I've got a list. I got, you know, Christian call and I got, the, here's the, here's my guys. Here's the banks they work at. Mm. And they'll go, no, no, no. I bought a pre-construction five years ago and the broker just handled it for me. And I'm like, well, no, I, you know, I can't do that for you. That's called fraud. Um, you're going <laughs> to have to the go, letterhead. Right. Yeah. Like you're going to have to go to one of these people. My relationship with the developer is worth more to me than the, the one deal with you. Like you got to yeah. go get a mortgage pre-approval. Um, so I don't know how many are fraudulent, but if I, like, I would assume that a fair amount of them are like, you know, there's companies in Toronto who whose entire job is to create fake job letters and income docs oh, for I tenants. I love that video yeah, you I made. I saw that. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was so right. So good. if we extrapolate that, we say, okay, well, what else are they capable of? Yeah. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure that's not the only thing they do at their business. Um, right. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, I, well, we did that whole CBC marketplace thing, right? So yeah, the same the same people would be doing those the same exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, there's a fee, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. You pay oh, for it, sure. Probably oh. in I, cash. You know? I um, there was a guy that I had. This true. I told this the last time too. But there was a guy. He, he owned a condo downtown, and he needed to refinance. And he said to me, he needs to find one of those people. And I asked like certain agents that I know and trust. I asked like a, a couple mortgage brokers that I know. I couldn't even find one of those guys. Like yeah. it was, they're they're not. I don't know where they're hanging out, Brampton, but I was trying to find them and <laughs> I couldn't. Not, you know, careful. <laughs> like, you know, so Who I don't can, think it's that yeah. easy. I think you just have a few people out there who are doing it. But it's I probably my my guess is it's probably people. a small group who do it at scale. Yeah. To to make the fake paperwork to get the yeah. the the, the, yeah, the yeah, fake yeah. mortgage. Right. Uh, my bet is it's a but, small group who do it at scale. Yeah, and they probably like uh, disappear and turn into somebody else. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't hmm. be surprised they if they kidnap not the even children of the, the bank country. employee. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Organized yeah, they crime. have connections, right? Yeah. There's a lot of crazy scams. There's a lot of things blowing up, and I can't see it ending soon. Like, I really think that we have more drama ahead of us. Like a this lot bank, more. This drama. bank collapse again in the states is just like another one. Another one. Like another it's another one. A hundred million or hundred billion or 
how much money was taken out in the first quarter of this year. Like it was a crazy amount of money. I think the one thing that I I've never felt, and I guess this is something that they've always told me, like, especially after the great recession that, you know, our banking system is so much better than the States. Like I've never felt like TD is not going to have my money. You know, right. maybe I don't have enough money to have to that, have that problem, but I've never thought, you know, we should go to the bank because TD is, is, is not stable. And I think that in the States, it must be a totally different feeling. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I should get my money out of TD right now. I, I, I left like 140 bucks in the account and yeah, I don't I, even want to leave that there anymore. I don't, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> TD is ever going to have a, TD would get bailed out by the government in a heartbeat. The, yeah. The big problems. five I'm not yeah. overly concerned with. Oh yeah. my God! That didn't they say that about Lehman Brothers for for but a little sure. while? <laughs> and it is true. Like it's easy to watch a Boom. you know a ten minute explainer on YouTube of fractional reserve banking at one a.m. in the morning and get really scared. Be like I'm <laughs> at nine a.m. I'm showing up RBC and you better. <laughs> I'm withdrawing it? everything and putting yeah. it under my mattress. Like, but of where do you put it now? Like, is there anywhere that you really believe it's safe? Know, you stock. spread it out. You spread it out amongst everything. Hedge your bets all over the place. Make sure you've got Bitcoin, uh, a couple Bitcoin, and a couple different Bitcoin. international airport lockers around the world. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I put that out on Twitter, and that was yeah. the the that was like the, the, the biggest answer. Like everybody was like, "Yeah, just Bitcoin in like a hard wallet," mm -hmm. and I was like. It just doesn't sound like that's going to work later, like when I need bread, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I need pasta uh, and rice, I don't well, know if I'm giving my Bitcoin hard wallet over to somebody. Well, I will tell you that in Costa Rica, at the farmer's market, you can buy from almost every vendor with Bitcoin. No fucking way. Really? Cool. Yep. No yeah. way. How? Through what? Uh, just just wallets that you just show them and they can check Wallet to wallet. That yeah, and they can check on their end that it's incoming because obviously it may not the the Bitcoin may not be in their wallet yet, but you can see it on the chain, right? Um, and you walk away with your uh, grass fed beef or whatever whatever you bought. No I, mean, I bought a bunch of stuff it. when I was down there um, via Bitcoin, which was awesome. Super cool no to way. see Bitcoin actually used for something. <laughs> well, you was go to El Salvador, like there wasn't uh, there, you were just doing that because you're like, hey, why not? They're accepting Bitcoin. Let's let's uh, let's use it. Or was that yeah. like a convenience thing? What was it? No, it's just I have uh like I have multiple hard wallets and then of course I have some um on on like uh ShakePay always just in case because you never mm -hmm. know. I also bought a car in Florida um a year ago with Bitcoin. No um, way. Yeah. Uh like privately? Like yeah, like an old 1989 BMW um because it was cheaper. Well, it wasn't cheaper, that's a lie, but it was about the same price as having <laughs> you a had rental extra Bitcoin for two months. And you're like, so I, I need was... to spend this on something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that would be more more of the reason that I would use the Bitcoin is just like, look, no, I'm not buying anything with Bitcoin. Let's just see what this is like, yeah. right? No, but Jordan's like uh, fully in there, right? In but, but like how many in the, purchases in are you doing? Yeah, I mean, those are like the only two things I've ever actually purchased with Bitcoin. Exactly, um, yeah. Like, When did you uh, buy Bitcoin? Uh, the first time I bought Bitcoin was 2013. Um, through a company called QuickBT, which I think is gone now. A lot of those companies from back then are gone now. Um, you yeah. need to interview that for, Bitcoin mortgage company guy again. See if he's <laughs> Dude, still those guys around. Are on Remember the run. that shit? Those guys <laughs> are on the run. Six the first later. time I bought Bitcoin was with cash in a machine because it was at a convenience store. And I thought, let me right, see what right, I can do yeah. with this. And I have no idea how I stored that. And I bet you there's a ton <laughs> of people who are yeah. were in the same boat as me. And that Bitcoin's just gone. Oh, my God. I bought it. I bought a little bit of Bitcoin. I watched it go up and then I watched it go down. And I was like, uh, that's enough for me. I'm out. Bye. Yeah. I can't do 2015, this. 2015, I tried it, but I never, it wasn't what it was. I think it was like seven or 800 bucks of Bitcoin at that time. I thought at one point, like we were going to be buying real estate and pre-condos and like everything. Just press a button. You're going to buy a pre-condo with Bitcoin. And it just like didn't end up happening. Is that still on the horizon? Are we are we getting I just think in general, that? like I just think in general, adoption and 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 you like things just take a lot slower than than we think. 
Like, well, I think gen- like genuinely, like everything takes a lot longer and has a longer lifespan. Really like, true. A lot of people are talking about AI replacing realtors within two years. I'm like, you people are fucking crazy. No, that's no. crazy. It's if you think be at that least it can happen three. that fast, yeah, yeah, at least three. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like it's like, and also a lot of the people saying that are they work like some bullshit admin job where they forward four PDFs and reply to 22 emails a day, and it's like you're gonna be replaced before anybody, buddy. Like. Oh, yeah. You know copywriters I mean? though I, was, I mean that's right now what everyone's saying copywriters are being replaced and you don't need them anymore i was yes adding. and no like it depends what type of co- copy you're writing if you're writing copy for seo purposes i mean you want to be careful because if you're you don't want to put ai generated content up on a website that's worth a lot of money to you because like it's inevitable that it, it's it's just high risk right mm-hmm. um and then also there's, but if you're just writing copy to write copy, then yeah, hundred percent, you're easily replaceable. But if you're a sales copywriter, for example, but like, and I mean a high level sales copywriter, like somebody who writes uh, sales letters that can convert at 10% higher than the in-house person at a company. And you're writing for a company that does when they send out an email, 50, a hundred, a million dollars in revenue. Well, you're not going to be replaced anytime soon either because mm-hmm. just you understand the psychology of what sells that. So anyways, it's a long-winded answer. But yeah, I agree with you. Copywriting um, are you are you copy. using AI like to help your business in any way? Uh, yeah, here and there. Um, just like for some, a lot of just like admin-related tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so yeah. it's something that's Those just going to aid, not like for kind content, of just enhance. Not for copy. I'm terrified of using it for content. Google has teeth, man. And right now they're not penalizing AI content because they can't detect it. But that doesn't mean anything about tomorrow. Right. I was at uh, a friend's house for dinner last night and uh, their kids are like, everybody's getting older. The kids are getting older and we're, we're sitting around and they're, they're all in university now. <laughs> and they're, you know, they, they have to think about now all of a sudden, One's in marketing and one's a lawyer. And both of them are sitting at the dinner table going like, we got to figure out how to do this and not get replaced by AI because mm-hmm. like their careers are still three, four, five, a lawyer, five, six, seven years away. Mm-hmm. Like things are will change a lot in that time and maybe won't be full replacements, but like it'll be so different than it is right now that I don't even think we can fathom how different things will be. Now, yeah. I agree. I think like for for certain people, it will be an enhancer. And for certain people, it will just knock them out of the competition completely, right? Mm-hmm. And it will create all kinds of like new stuff that we can't even imagine right now. But like imagine, well, I guess it's not even that new coming out of university and having a degree that's useless. I guess that's a <laughs> old concept nowadays. But like, imagine like you're in your first, second year and you go, shit, how do I figure out how to outpace a supercomputer, like an AI brain, right? Because like a marketing guy, I'm sorry, but like, yeah, maybe there's going to be some geniuses that learn how to use this stuff and excel, but like, all those mediocre and all those like mediocrity is dead. Yeah. A hundred percent right? You can't float. You can't float anymore. You have to be in the top five percent of, of a skill set or you're fucked. A hundred percent. I agree with you. It's only a matter of time. Right. Like if you're like if you're a social media manager for and you get a bunch of clients at two hundred bucks a month and you just post pictures for them, like you're you're in trouble. What about a researcher? Like what about like uh like a, just a guy like I don't know who Ben Rabbit. I don't know what his de- how his thing works, but like his research must have like gone to a next level. And if he had other people doing it for him, mm-hmm. like if you had two, you definitely don't need both anymore. There's no way. You oh, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, like if you like, pay twenty bucks a month, like you've got a researcher like you've never seen before, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were able to go from full to you know two full time copywriters to just one because she's leveraging AI to make her job a little bit quicker based on some standard operating procedures we laid out for her, right? So we're putting out the same level of content, the same quantity of content, the same quality, but we're doing so in half the time, technically. Right, so imagine if you're a manager and you've got this team and you're like, okay, 50%, 50%. If I teach this 50% how to use AI, I can Mm -hmm. probably eliminate this 50%, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if it's 75, 25, like whatever the number is, if I mean, if you're not thinking like that, you're 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 stupid, or you're behind the times, and somebody else is for sure, and they're gonna take you down. 
because mm. it's so powerful. It's insane. Like, I but it just to... creates it creates more efficiency. So it's, it creates insane more, efficiency. It creates more economic output. And so what's going to happen is is we're going to have more jobs that way. We're going to have more businesses. So maybe you you need to serve in a restaurant, but we'll have more restaurants. We'll have more serving positions because there's going to be more people working in order to be able to sustain the economy that we have. So well, I don't believe it's the like... end of. Yeah, me neither. But I, I also hope that that's where it ultimately leads, right? Like you have a lot of people working jobs they're no good at and jobs they hate just floating. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're committing an hour and a half, two hours of work a week because their job is actually a joke. Um, right. And they're not happy. And, you know, like this could be a way out for those people on a long enough time horizon. But I think in the interim, like things will probably get really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Sure. There's going to be really weird, (laughs) like really weird. Have you seen some of this stuff? It'll lead to (laughs) other stuff. It'll lead to other deflationary things. It'll lead to other uh, lifestyle uh, efficiencies. So people will be able to live in these master plan communities right at the MTSAs, ready to go nowhere. They don't even need to go. They don't need a car anymore. You know, so these are all the things that, you know what happened, but over time, it's going to be a yeah. I'm a, too yeah. I'm too dumb to understand all the ramifications and how it will play out. But I'm, I've been telling people for years: teach your kids sales, man. Mm. It'll be the longest surviving uh, job. Hmm. hmm. That's a great way to end the show, Daryl. Teach your kids sales. Teach your kids sales. Yes, yeah. that's the one skill. The people skills of a salesperson cannot be replaced by a robot. Maybe eventually, but it'll be the it'll it'll be a it'll be a hurdle, right? Like there's Someone's a lot of uh, subtext in psychology behind it, and the best salespeople that I've ever, the best salespeople that I've had on my team, the best salespeople I've ever seen, highest producers, generally can't articulate why they do so well. Can kid? Do you see a pattern? Mm-hmm. I that's see a patterns. Good, so tell me, what right is there. a what is a quality that you noticed a pat like is a pattern that all of those that excel carry well interestingly the highest producers uh real estate sales wise are consistently the most introverted extroverts or the most extroverted introverts so what i mean by that is um yeah yeah yeah, if you if you type them party bob end of the spectrum party bob or in the room on the internet yeah like no they're like they're they're generally they're generally introverted individuals um is a way to paint them with a wide brush. Um, and then uh, like there's, I could get into, um, like I could talk about sales and sales people for hours, um, but there's definitely some, some common threads in how they deal with prospects and leads, how they speak to people. Um, and then particularly around habits, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you have, you have mm-hmm. your charismatic enigmas where there are individuals who, are natural born salespeople and will do 500, a million dollars in volume a year or in commission a year, despite the fact that they don't have good principles and discipline, but they're the rarity and the exception to the rule. The rule is generally the people that I see that treat it like a real job, you know, nine to nine or whatever, five days a week type of thing. And they have time blocks for themselves like these hours i do follow up to new leads these hours i do follow through for leads and deliver what i said i was going to deliver yesterday to them these Mm -hmm. hours i prospect these hours i do showings like those people tend to do very well yeah if there's ever a time where i haven't been on my game it's because those little things start to fall apart and then as soon as you get back to that regiment then it's like oh you know this works So, so disciplined, organized, and like, is there, is there like a, like almost a fearlessness? Like they're not afraid to cold call. They're not afraid to follow up with the, like, they're not afraid to do those things or is it not that? Are they like just no, mechanical? That's a hundred percent a big part of it. Um, it's not, it's not just about the mechanics. Um, it's also about the intangibles on the phone. Like, you know, I teach all my guys very similar scripts and yet some people convert at four percent and some people convert at one they have the same list of objection handlers they have the same list of things to ask the client but they listen and hear different things from clients right Mm -hmm. um they can extrapolate what someone's telling them and the underlying motivation behind it which is very difficult to do because when you call someone and you ask them what are they looking for they tell you i'm looking for a one bedroom for 500 600k or whatever 
right? The the difference between an average or mediocre salesperson and a brilliant one is understanding why they're investing in that property and accurately coaching them to, to the right fit. It may not even be what they initially came in for, right? So that that's the other thing is I see a massive distribution skew and people register for for my condos or whatever. And my mediocre or average salespeople then turn around and sell them forma. But my best salespeople, the correlation between what somebody signed up for on our website and what they ultimately buy with us is almost zero because they're actually listening, right? They're actually listening and understanding the motivation, the motivating factors behind someone's goals and trying to actually help them achieve that goal rather than just trying to like fill an order. Do you know what I mean? And that's Absolutely. something I think is pretty hard to replace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that it's pivot. It's the yeah, it's all it's it's the stuff in between the notes. Like you're yeah. giving them the notes, and they have to kind of fill in those gaps. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I I don't want to cut this off, but I hear sanding again in the fucking background. We're gonna, <laughs> We're gonna get Jordan still... back on the show. Like, Bro, is that still going on? No idea what's oh, going on shit. this morning. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I can't. Jordan, we anything. appreciate your time, man. Uh, you know, congrats on everything you do. I think that the the sales centers are going to be busy again for the developers and and you yourself. And um, we look forward to get you back on the show, man. Appreciate it, boys. I'll see you guys later. Enjoy. Thanks, pal.